Houston-ish. This is Houston-ish. This is Houston-ish. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Houston-ish. This is Grace. This is Luz. And Natty Fresh. <laughs> hey guys, we want to start off by um, saying thank you so much. Um, if those of you that follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you would have noticed that over the last week or so, we've gotten our 100 followers. Yay! <laughs> Um, yeah, so guys, please keep sharing our post, our site, our email, our Facebook, anything. Um, we'll go over those. You can follow us on Instagram at Houstonish Podcast. Our Facebook is Houstonish. Um, you can email us at Houstonish Podcast at gmail.com. Guys, send us any requests. If there's anybody you know that we can interview, if there's um, anything you want to talk about, anything Houston related, let, it, let us know. And again, we do this for fun, so we, you know, we would appreciate any shares that you guys can do. And speaking of interviews, we have our lovely guest here today, Mika. Say hi, Mika. Hello. We'll be talking with Mika a little bit later um, on some really cool things that she does for the city of Houston. All right. Um, I think I will start it off with a little bit of art talk. Um, I went to a really, really cool exhibit this weekend um, in, let's see, over there in the museum district at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. They are having a an exhibition called Big Bamboo. It's uh, by Mike and Doug Stern. Starn? Starn. And, um, Starn? <laughs> kind of read my writing over here. And uh, anyway, it's a really cool exhibit. Uh, you can walk into the like the main part in the museum. I don't know if you've ever been to the MFA, like right in the middle of the big room right there, full of bamboo. Like it's just this entire big structure that they built. Um, and it's bamboo everywhere, and on the second floor, that's where you kind of go in through, and then they let you walk across a bridge made of bamboo. And, like, all this bamboo <laughs> is tied up by um, like these uh, bungee cords, or no, maybe not bungee cords. So were you ever some kind of cords? like huh? you were going to fall? Uh, yeah, and one time I actually, I stepped, because they let only, like, one or two people go on at the yeah. same time on um, on the bridge. So I'm walking on the bridge, and Mo's back there, you know, and I'm like, ooh, I'm doing good, I'm trying to... When you're trying to Snapchat at the same time, oh my God, I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying not to fall off this bamboo thing. I'm trying to snap at the same time. And then I hear a crack underneath my foot. And I'm like, oh God, oh God. But again, it's just like, it's bamboo. It moves, it breathes, you know what I mean? So like, um, but the whole thing is pretty dang sturdy. Um, it's really neat to have little surprises in there and like photo places where you can, you know, kind of like. It probably is. I just think we're not used to walking on bamboo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, it's crazy. It's all tied up over there and just really, really neat. So I would recommend it. That's Check cool. it out. Is it a, it's a paid exhibit? Yeah, it's a paid exhibit. Um, I believe it's 18 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You guys, check that out at the Museum of Fine Arts. So speaking of that place, have you guys been out there to go see our bean? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but um, I know it was a big deal um, when it first came out. So you guys are familiar with the Chicago bean, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that same artist, Anish Kapoor, um, had another bean created, and it's put here in Houston. I'm sure a lot of Chicagoans are not happy about that, but um, I, you know, I think it's cool, right? Um, it's just another piece of art, and it makes Houston, you know, it's it's not the same as the Chicago one, so we have our own. Um, you guys go check it out. I think that's kind of cool. Oh, so anyway, if we want to talk about food and next, um, have you guys heard about Aisha Curry's uh, restaurant? Anybody? I have not. No, it's been in the in the news lately. So who is who is Aisha Curry? <laughs> so Aisha Curry is the wife of Stephon Curry. Who uh, is Stephon Curry? <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. Stephon Curry plays for the um, Golden State Warriors. Boo. Yes, who, as you know, won again. The last NBA um, uh, championship. But anyway, um, so Aisha Curry is married to Stephon Curry, right? And Stephon Curry is not very popular here in Houston. So as you can imagine, neither would um, Aisha. So she, you know, news got out that she was going to uh, open up this restaurant in City Center. City Center is over there off of Memorial, Memorial area, uh, I-10. And they, uh, Houston fans were trolling her so much on Yelp. I mean, I'm going to read some of these. Um, these are pretty funny. So, y'all, I don't know how she expects anyone from Houston to eat here. Not one real Houstonian will ever step foot in here. If you eat here, you ain't a Rockets fan. Go Rockets. <laughs> I mean, they were just really, really silly. And, um, I mean, she had a pretty negative review, and the, re- the restaurant's not even open yet. Well, what, I, what, what I'm curious about is being who she is married to. And, and first of all, they don't even live in Houston. So my curiosity, like, I'm, I'm, yeah. is peaked right now. Why here? <laughs> I don't know. And, and we'll get this. So she's opening up. So it's, it's a barbecue. It's going to be called International Smoke. I know. I know. The girl decided to, to try to sell barbecue in Houston <laughs> to Rockets fans. <laughs> so it says here, first and foremost, I would like to start off by saying, how dare you bring this mess to Houston? We are good. We do not need this negativity. I can already taste the blandness of the food. This establishment might serve us dusty water and moldy lemons. Aisha, just pack up your restaurant and be going. You're not welcome in H-Town. Please save us the trouble and don't like Bryson Tiller said. With that being said, the Warriors suck. Go Rockets. <laughs> wow. So as you can imagine, everybody feels the same way. Yeah. Bless her heart. No, but uh, anyway, that that's, uh, if, if you do want to go check it out. When it opens? It opens July 5th in City Center. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm waiting I'm waiting for that sign that they put at restaurants where it says, under new management. <laughs> Probably. You know? It's going to be sold. Um <laughs> Okay, so some things that are going on in Houston. Do you, uh, you guys know uh, Gabriel Iglesias, right? Comedian? Fluffy? Fluffy? Fluffy! <laughs> yes, um, I love him. I, I've seen him a couple of times. He's awesome. So Gabriel Iglesias actually just announced two shows here in Houston, September 13th and September 14th. And the cool part is he is going to be taping a Netflix special mm. on those shows. So tickets just went on sale on this past Friday. Make sure you get them. He is really funny. He's super clean, too. He really does not have uh, bad comedy. And uh, it, I think it's going to be a really good show. So definitely go check him out. I wish I would have been. I, I I hope to one day be there at a at a taping for any Netflix special. But another comedian, Tignataro, she was here in Houston and she did a, a Netflix special, and I was like, mm, I, yeah. I wish I would have been there. I would have been like, ah, like overdoing it just so I could yeah. hear myself in the recording. I don't know. That's just me. So, That's just me. Um, without giving too much away, I mean, I want to see if we can if we can talk to this person. But uh, someone that I know actually uh, taped the Netflix special. He actually recorded it for um, Chingo Bling. Here in Houston. Oh, wow. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so if we can get him on, uh, to come in and interview with us, that'd be great. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you guys about, and uh, we're big here on music, they just announced the um, Euphoria music series. For those of you that listen to Reggaeton, so this has a really cool lineup. Nicky Jam, Weezing, CNCO, Rake, Emmanuel Turizo, and Piso 21. That's going to be all on August 18th at Toyota Center. So... So, have you guys heard about The Carters dropping an album, surprise album? Anybody? Yes. yes. I'm like, y'all with me? <laughs> it's not a surprise anymore, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, myself, have not heard the entire album, but I did watch the video for, uh, what's that song, Matt? H. Oh, 
H-I-T. You can spell, but I won't say the word. Um, <laughs> the video itself I really enjoy. Uh, the song I really like. I'm curious to hear the, the rest of it, though. I know, Grace, you said you had listened to the whole album, right? No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't no, heard I the haven't. album? I haven't. No, I haven't heard it. Oh. And I think I've only heard pieces of it. <laughs> I ended up getting the album on Spotify. Um, I, I They're doing something right now uh, up until the end of this month, which is only in a couple more days, but uh, three months of Spotify for 99 cents. Um, and it's the full three months. It's not 99 cents each month. I'm just saying. And then you can get the whole album this girl. on there. And you know this girl. She's entitled. like at the full guy. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> FYI, if you want to save some money, go do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, back to our regular scheduled program. So as Nat was saying, you guys can get a great deal right now on uh, Spotify. Because you can get uh, the album. It, yeah. Um, I would love to hear everybody's ideas about the fact that these two people who already make a ton of money got together and they're like, I'm going to make some more money and I'm going to make this money as a duo. So I don't know, Grace, you and Armando want to drop an album soon. <laughs> Like, I would love to hear it. Yeah, my, my rap skills are not uh, on point. Although... Well, well, we don't have to do rap, though. Oh, I guess. What do you, what do you think you and Armando could do? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I could see y'all doing some Tejano. Uh, maybe. Huh? Oh, no, hold on. I got something better. We put you in front of the bean, right? <laughs> you know how they did theirs in the Louvre, right? <laughs> we put you in front of the bean. Okay. And I'm going to say country. <laughs> no, no country. No country? No country. Dang. Nat, what about oh. you? Oh. Nothing? <laughs> Mika, what about you? You're in the library? Oh, yeah. You she, there you go. She's going to be rocking in the library. I'm down. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you heard that, that soft whisper, that was Mika. That was me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm interested to hear, I'm, I am interested to hear the rest of the album. Um, the video is, I mean, I guess visually stimulating, to yeah. say the least. It's a really, yeah. really great, well done video. You can't not be impressed by that. I think if to, to watch it, even if you're not a, a fan of Beyonce or of Jay Z, you can still appreciate the art within yeah. the art in the video itself. Yeah. So, I mean, check it out. Well, if they, you guys haven't checked it out, they, you should. They always put a lot of thought into their music, both lyrically and visually. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where you, you watch it and you listen to it and you dissect everything that they say. Everything is a, yeah. a reason, a purpose, why it happened, the way it happened, etc. So, I want Jay-Z to go back to the blueprint, though. I uh. mean... That's just Blueprint me. one or two. Girl, I, don't I really know. love one, two, three, four, five, and six. I, I, love, mean, <laughs> I really love the Blueprint two, and I have um, his Black album, which, as you can remember, was yes. when he was going to retire. Yeah, the Black album, I think, is yes. my my number one from him. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, um, so speaking of you know big people here in Houston, did y'all hear that Ice Cube was in town this last week? No. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so he's in town uh, because they were doing the big three um, basketball game and stuff. But one of the things that he did while he was in Houston is he went to Acres Homes and he met with a lot of single mothers and he gave them free tickets. He thought it would be important to recognize the single mothers here in Houston. So good job to him. That's a stand-up wow. thing to do. Yeah. That's very cool. Not a lot of people do something like that. So I just wanted to recognize Ice Cube. Thank you, Ice Cube. Yeah. Hey, that reminded me of a story that Mo told me one time. He said that uh, when he was in high school, Ice Cube... I think they won some kind of radio contest, right? They call, You know how they would call in? Mm-hmm. Everybody calls in and vote for your school. And if you win, Ice Cube's going to come and perform at your school. So their, their school won. So they're all excited. Everybody's all excited Ice Cube's coming, you know, and they're waiting. And he's late. 
and they're waiting and they're waiting. <laughs> and they're like, when is he going to get here? Finally, Ice Cube shows up. He goes up on stage. Everybody's cheering. They're like, yeah, he's going to play all the songs. He goes up there. He grabs the mic. He's at Austin High School. Yay, yay. <laughs> and I walked off the stage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pay my money. <laughs> he just walked out. Oh my god! Yeah, that was it. Well, was I guess over. we can say that Ice Cube has now redeemed himself for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks, thanks, man. Wow. Oh, hilarious. Um. So yeah, that's that's what we have for you uh, for you guys today. But uh, before we get into the rest of the show, I do want to talk to you about Mika. So we've known Mika for a few years now, right? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It's been a while. <laughs> Mutual friends. Like 10 years? Probably. And I've known Mika now for 10, ten minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get started. Um, so yeah, we wanted to invite Mika here onto the show uh, because she does some pretty cool stuff. Um, I know we saw it, we see it a little bit on Facebook when she does get on and and uh, talk about some of the things that she does. Uh, but we wanted to bring her on so she can tell everybody about it. So welcome to the show, Mika. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so uh, yeah, I my title is uh, archivist. Uh, I work for the Houston Metropolitan Research Center, uh, which is a branch of the Houston Public Library. Um, so essentially, I'm an archivist for one of the archivists for the city of Houston, um, and I my job is to collect and preserve uh, Houston history. Specifically, I was hired to focus on the Hispanic and Latino history. Um, and then I also do oral histories. So I also interview Houstonians um, year-round and, and ask them about their experience and their perspective in Houston. And um, I am one of several archivists uh, at the Houston Metropolitan Research Center that does that. Very cool. And you're from Houston, right? Born and raised? I am a rare native Houstonian, <laughs> born and raised. Um, I grew up in 45 South and Telephone Road area, so the East End. Yeah, that's my hood. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So um, what, what made you get into that? Well, um, like most people, I did not have a plan when I entered college. I wasn't really sure... You know, I wasn't growing up as a child saying that I wanted to be an archivist, um, but uh, I, I've always loved museums. I was really fortunate that my parents also loved museums, and, and we went all the time, um, and they were always telling stories, too. I grew up with a family of storytellers, um, kind of filling in those gaps that uh, the classroom doesn't really teach you uh, when it comes to uh, history, uh, Mexican-American history. Um, and I, I actually wanted to be a writer and, um, but when I, when I got to college, I needed a job <laughs> to help pay for school yeah. and I found, I had done some re- retail, I was working at Amina Mall for a little bit. Where'd you work? New York and Company. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying because I worked at, at Macy's at Amina. So. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I won't say more about that. <laughs> um, but I, I needed a job, and I applied for work-study, and I landed in the archives at the University of Houston uh, Library. Um, I, I've always loved libraries and, and museums, but I never really knew the behind-the-scenes until I started work there. And... Um, I had a really great mentor. Uh, his name is, shout out, Robert Marlin Bobby. 
And he pretty much took me under his wing and showed me how it is that that libraries and museums and, and archives kind of function, um, that behind the scenes where they're in the back collecting all these wonderful photographs and documents mm -hmm. and then turning around and making them available to people who are telling those stories. Um, and he, he really mentored me um, and he gave me the opportunity to curate an exhibit for the library. And uh, it was about the first, the first president of the University of Houston. And uh, it was just a few shelves, uh, like a little display case, but I, I felt pretty big. <laughs> and um, they had this fancy opening reception, all these big wigs, wealthy people, donors to the university. And I got to mix and mingle. I had never been in that kind of environment. Um, and then the, the little old ladies and the little old men, uh, you know, were standing around the display case pointing at the pictures that I picked out, mm -hmm. you know, telling stories and crying over memories because of a photo that I chose. And I'm standing there like feeling all the feels and all the emotions. Oh. And it really, it really just got to me that, wow, like I can, I can help someone remember something or I can help somebody, um, relive a, a, a moment in their life and I really it just really stuck with me and then um like the story that this guy told little old man he had to be like 90 years old uh there was a photo of the there's a reflect or yeah there's a pool mm -hmm. or a pond at, at the main campus and he's like oh I remember when when Jimmy pushed me in the pool and I was a freshman and I don't know he just got all teary-eyed <laughs> about it and then I started crying and we hugged and um but so, yeah, so I, I, I really, that reaction from somebody really, really spoke to me. Um, and I was like, I can use history for good and, mm -hmm. and for, you know, I, I can do this. I love this. Um, so then someone introduced me to the fact that there's a master's program at U of H called um, for public history. And I'd never heard of that. And um, I discovered that it's, uh, it differs from the the other history track in that um, it's more about how to bring history to the community. And that's exactly what what spoke to me is um, I, I knew that I, I didn't want to write um, for a scholarly journal or, or, you know, go the research route um, or necessarily teach. Uh, but this program really focuses on projects out in the community where the community even has input in how their history is told. And that is a very different concept. And I really, really like that. So then um, I tried, I pursued that master's degree. And uh, in the meantime, I did a ton of volunteering at other locations. Uh, in fact, I did an internship at the location that I currently work at um, and just got a feel for, for that kind of work. And I, I fell in love with it. All right, Tamika, I have a question for you. So you were talking about oral history. And I think oral history is just beautiful because you hear the, you know, true stories from people. Well, I say true, but that brings me to my point. How do you fact check those stories that are passed down from, you know, people to people? How do y'all do that? That is a really good question. Um, I guess it, it depends on the questions and the, and the purpose of the oral history. So uh, we, we do fact check, but... Um, Oral history is also valuable because of the way people remember things and mm. why they remember the way they remember, if that makes sense. So um, we've had several times where someone will, 
misremember a date, um, a, a significant date, a date that I know, uh, and you know, we, we don't say anything in the in the middle of the interview. We don't interrupt them, but we, we then kind of ask follow-up questions to figure out why is it that they remember that something happened in the summer as opposed to the fall. Um, because again, it, it may be because something else happened in their life that made it to where that moment stuck out to them Memorable. Right, for, right. for a reason. And it's, it's in the oral history um, sort of field. Uh, it's a very, you know, contentious point because how much can you trust an oral history? Is, right. is it a primary source, like a document or a photograph? Can you use it in that way? Right. Um, and you absolutely can. You just have to take it for what it is. And, 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 it, it depends on what you're using it for. Gotcha. That, that's a good point. Um, but it it it's so fascinating why we remember things the way that we do and why certain people remember something as a riot and they'll use that word and then another group will remember it in a completely different way and they, as a they protest yeah, or something like that. So yeah. it, it's it's part of that process. So we, we certainly fact check fact check um, like if we were transcribing an interview and we'll we'll kind of insert those notes for the researcher. Um, but we definitely don't do it necessarily in the interview out of respect for the yeah. For the do person. the indi- do the individuals that that participate in it do they have to do some kind of waiver or or state these are you know kind of like I don't know it's kind of like law paper or something saying um, I state here that I'm saying everything to the best of my knowledge or something like that or do you guys just take um, it for we we have them sign something uh, but it's more. They're, they're signing to prove that they are allowing us to record their voice. Oh, okay. Um, so that legally and, and ethically, um, we can then share it to our for our researchers and share it to the you know with the public. Um, there was a project uh, many years ago where all of those oral histories that were recorded in the seventies, um, when when the research center opened, you know, none of those documents that they signed said anything about online. <laughs> because oh. uh, that wasn't a thing. So they hired someone um, to go back and try and locate these people, locate their families to get them to sign something that would allow us to share them online because that's that's a thing now. Everybody expects mm-hmm. it to be digitized. So um, so we you know we certainly can't put them up if we don't have that document because it's it's wrong, you know so wow. we, we definitely pay attention to, to that part of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So do you go out and do interviews yourself? I do. Um, so we, we collect them year-round uh, with, with Houstonians. Um, so my, my job is for the Hispanic and Latino history, but I also do oral histories for the entire research center. So I do interview not just brown people, <laughs> all people. Um, and a lot of times uh, it's kind of a snowball effect. You know, you interview one person and they got somebody else they want you to interview and it just kind of comes in and there's a long list that I have of my own of people that I've dreamt about interviewing. Um, um, like who? <laughs> um, the the guy that owns Simon's on Harrisburg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my grandpa still shops there. Really? Yeah. I yeah. Would. He refuses to buy shoes from anywhere else, but that place. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. some uncles that like we were. Yeah. In fact, we just got together yesterday, and he was he was talking about going there. Um, and there's a few other sort of Hispanic leading women in Houston that have done a lot, and I think uh, it would be really nice to capture that that history. Um, I remember you were doing something regarding World War II vets. What was uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so that was 
probably one of the most memorable projects I've been a part of. Uh, in 2015, um, 2015 was the, oh gosh, I'm going to get the date wrong, 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. Um, that coupled with the fact that I had just done a Northside history exhibit at Carnegie Library. And I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and while looking at Northside history, a sort of side story came out about how many men came out of Jeff Davis to serve. And that really, really struck me. And then I started reading more about it and realized, you know, we have a lot of things in the archive documenting um, Latinos in Houston serving in World War II. And in fact, um, and then I, I realized that, you know, we Mexican-Americans earned 13 medals of honor um, during that war. And that was the that was a really high high number of of, of medals and um, and so I, I I realized you know I I really wanted to tell the story and I felt like we had enough in the archive to share but also to um, hopefully get people inspired to to share more um, so I partnered with uh, Dr. Jesus Esparza, uh, who at the time was teaching at HCC and at uh, Texas Southern University, um, and to start an oral history project to find any living Latino World War II veterans, and we found really cool. twelve. Wow. And, yeah, wow. and um, it was like I'll never forget that experience. Um, they shared a lot and some of them said to me that this was the first time they were telling anybody about some of the traumatic experiences um and it was really eye-opening for me too because i i certainly went in with my own ideas of what i was going to hear sort of i i you know prejudging and, and making a lot of assumptions oh well most likely, you know, he voted this way or he felt this way about that and or he probably experienced so much discrimination or he didn't. And I went in and I was wrong. And I I had to, you know, they, they really taught me like to step back and um, you never you our stories are so different, you know, and and um, and that's the whole point of what I do is to show the diversity and the variety of our experiences. We are not one story. You know, we, we don't all vote the same. We don't all feel the same about every topic. We haven't experienced sports or fashion or music, history, all the same way. And um, it was it was eye-opening for me. It was a beautiful experience. And I'm so glad that we uh, we captured that. Um, and that in, in some of them, um, I go to dinner with them now. And, like, we're, you know, we're still friends. And some of them still drive. And that really scares me because they're, like, 92 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a wonderful project, um, and and a lot of people um, have done World War II oral history projects. So um, it's you know it's it's not unique in the sense that you know no one else is documenting this. But I don't think we had covered as many Houstonians, uh, Mexican American Houstonians, um, and so that was really cool. And then we partnered with an artist to create like baseball cards. Um, so he. He took their military pictures and put it on one side, and then on the back was their stats, and then he had their signature on them, and then we presented it to them oh, as like awesome. a thank you. And then we, we got a ton of them printed um, through a donor, a business in the East End, uh, donated his printing services, 
And then we gave them out to kids as like, here's your hero, you know, like not just baseball players or sports figures, but like, and then they got to meet some of the veterans. It was really cool. That's such Um, a unique and and, uh, valuable extension to that project that you did to be able to give it back to the community. We... You, we, we had applied for a grant and we didn't get as much money as we had hoped for, but we got just enough to like incorporate that classroom aspect. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really really eye opening, I think for everybody involved. And and we um, like I said, we still keep in touch, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. I know you said you um, you guys did the baseball cards. You also did a pro- uh, project on. Um, uh, Latinos in baseball, right? Or yes. Um, so uh, someone I met in grad school came into the archive one day and was like, "Hey, um, I know a lot about baseball. You know a lot about 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 Mexican Americans. Um, <laughs> let's get together and write a chapter for this book that's coming out." And I said, "Okay, sure." And um, and it was it's part of a, a national project called the National Latinos in Baseball project <laughs> I think <laughs> something like that and um, they're they're sort of photographic essays capturing um, images of Latinos playing baseball across the United States they've done several in California I think they're working on a Kansas book they've done I think the Valley um, you know South Texas um, and they hadn't done one in Houston and so they were looking for writers and I initially was just gonna kind of consult and help you know, give them people to talk to, and then before I knew it, I was writing a chapter. Um, and kind of what sparked the interest in this project was that just a year before that, um, a like 500-page book about Houston baseball came out, and there was a paragraph about Latinos. Mm-mm. That was it. Okay. And um, so this uh, friend of mine from grad school, you know, he he had been a part of that book and kind of wanted to, okay, let's fix this because I know there's more. I just don't know where it is. So we held a few collecting events in Sugarland here in Houston. Um, we certainly only scratched the surface. I mean, we had a tiny, you know, amount of space and a little bit of time. Um, but what we learned was pretty valuable in a short amount of time, and I, I do hope to one day expand the project. I could mm-hmm. see a documentary, maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was really interesting because um, again, that our, our stories are out there, and, and we've contributed to every aspect of our of our, our city's history. Um, and it, it's just a matter of of being uncovering to, a lot yeah, of that and and asking people and and. Just because there's not a photo of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just because there's not a document, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and it's also telling our community that your history is valuable um, and it, it needs to be written about. And I don't know how many times I ask for interviews with people, and they're like, "No, you don't want to talk to me. I don't know why you're, you know, why do you want to interview me?" And and you know, I'm not a leader. I'm not an activist. I'm not a politician. And well, no, but you you have a uh, perspective. And that perspective needs to be shared, you know? Um, right now is a really good time. And that's probably one of my favorite things about Houston is, um, you know, speaking about the baseball thing is you look at our Houston Astros team. I mean, you have, you know, Jose yes. Altuve mm-hmm. from uh, Venezuela. You have Carlos Correa from Puerto Rico. You have Yuli Gurriel from Cuba. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't get better than, than that. And I think... Um, 
you know, I, that's one of my favorite things about our sports team because you don't see that everywhere, you know. But uh, but that's cool. So hopefully one day, you know, our kids could later on see that history, right? Absolutely. And, and you bring up a good point because the Houston Metropolitan Research Center was founded in the mid-1970s, and really the focus was on Mexican-Americans, Chicanos, Tejanos, and no doubt there's so much more to uncover in that history. Um, but now, you know, 2018, and our Latino population is so diverse, um, and there's definitely a gap in our collections. You know, I don't have a lot about Cubanos or Colombianos, people from El Salvador, um, the Afro-Latino population, my goodness, you know, um, people have come in asking, oh, do you have anything on this history? And we have very little. And so that's something that, you know, I do hope to to pursue and, and really capture that as well, because that's that's part of our identity in Houston. And it's definitely shaped the city for sure. Well, and I, I just read an article that said that by 2026, uh, Latinos are going to be the biggest um, minority group in Texas. So, like, it, it's wow. not even going to be the yeah. the white race anymore. So, I mean, that's a very big, big thing. But, yeah. So, on the Mexican-American studies, did you pick that or did it just fall on your lap? What do you mean? Like, um, so, like, uh, the archivist position, right? Because I'm sure there's oh. for a lot of different types of histories. So, um, I... When I did my internship, um, I chose, I asked if I could work on Hispanic collections and they were really excited and I didn't realize until later that it was because um, they hadn't had someone dedicated to those specific collections in about two decades. Um, And in fact, the mayor's Hispanic advisory board um, and and, uh, several other leaders in Houston's Hispanic community um, all while I was in grad school, I had no idea this was going on, um, was, was asking the city to create this full-time position because there wasn't anybody mm-hmm. actively um, collecting. And um, so I did the internship, had no idea these conversations were happening behind the scenes, and then the position opened up, and um, I felt like that was my calling, that that was something, yeah. especially having already gotten my hands on the collections once you do that um you become obsessed i think i like Mm -hmm. i I fell in love with the family's collections that i that i was touching and reading and um i just i felt almost a responsibility like i i need to do this i want to help and um i'm i'm very grateful that that it, the timing just kind of happened. It was mm-hmm. fate. I, I feel really blessed to to have been the person um, chosen for this position because it's, it's really important. And um, sometimes I do feel, you know, am I doing enough? Like there is so much we have to do for our community. And yeah. um, but uh, there's there's a lot, a lot of people in Houston documenting our history. And I'm grateful that, you know, I, I know other women in Houston that are doing yeah. things like this. And so uh, it's good. Yeah, I actually, um, I, you guys don't know, I went to the um, the library. I asked Mika if she could help me research. I was doing an article on Northside history mm-hmm. um, for a little magazine called Northside Life Magazine. And, uh, yeah, but so I went over there, and she hooked me up with all these, all this different stuff, like all these articles <laughs> and printed um, copies of newspapers and pictures and just all this stuff, maps. I was getting, I was, like, looking for everything. Um, but, yeah, I ended up getting a pretty good article out of it, and um, and it was really 
really simple to just go yeah. and ask. You put in your request for your, um, you know, what you're researching, and then you just boom. There you are. <laughs> you get you get a folder back with all this stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I want to bring up something about the building, um, because that building is uh, notoriously known as one of the haunted places here in Houston. So I have to be the one to ask: um, Is it haunted? Do you have any stories? Have you noticed that do books fall off the shelf? Like, um, like they say. What's up with that? Uh, yeah, a few years ago, um, I'm I'm pretty sure we were on some list floating around the internet as like the eighth most haunted library in the country. Um, Dang, that's yeah, pretty hot. I know, high I know. List. Uh, and I was like, well, I already work here, so I guess that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> no going back now. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, um, the story is uh, his name was. Oh, gosh. I think it's John. I, I can't remember the first name, but for sure, last name Kramer, of all things. Um, John Kramer. And Mr. Kramer worked at the library. And at the time, uh, this was the 1930s, um, he was like the maintenance man for the building. And he lived in the basement of the building, and he kind of did everything, handyman, maintenance man. Um, and he had a dog <laughs> named Petey. I don't know how we know this, but that's what the story, how the story goes. But a dog named Petey, and uh, and his dog would kind of go around the building with him as he did um, his job. And uh, they also say that he played music. I, I don't know if it was a violin. That's kind of the rumor that's been spread. Um, so then he, he passed away, and he died there. And uh, ever since then, like uh, after he died... Um, People have said that they'll pass by the building at night and they'll hear music coming from the building mm -hmm. or that people have heard little like dog footsteps, kind of like, like Petey's paws. <laughs> um, and we, uh, every Halloween, you know, they, they do something with the kids where they bring them in around the building and they tell the story. Um, uh, I think at one point, you know, Ghost Adventures. Yeah, they they wanted. I that show. Yeah, I know you too. <laughs> they wanted to do something in our building. Um, oh my god! I know. I wish <laughs> that would be so. Fun. <laughs> um, but I probably the first few months I was working there, and I didn't know this story. But um, I was in the stacks, so the stacks is where we keep all the the records, and, and uh, it's closed to the public. It's dark. The lights are motion sensors. So you have to walk all the way to the back for the lights to turn on. Oh, good lord. Um, yeah, and it's it's cold and, and all of that. And, and I was there, and I was trying to be cool because I was new, trying to, you know, show everybody I can handle it. And um, I was in the stacks, and I heard, like, a, it wasn't a cough, but it was, like, like someone clearing their throat really loud, like, a, <clears throat> you know, like, trying to get attention. And I was like, man, they're messing with me because I'm the new girl, you know, and I turned around real fast. And there was nobody in there with me. I grabbed my stuff and I ran to the elevator and I got out of there as quick as I could. And I was looking around and I was doing the count. Okay, she's over there. He's over there. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it scared me. And ever since then, I have my back to the wall when I'm in the stacks. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> leave myself vulnerable. Um, I've also heard stories from the the maintenance ladies. Um, we had a few that 
refused to clean one of the men's restrooms at one point because she saw something. Um, wow. Some people yeah. believe it. Some people don't. I I think uh, I think he probably just loves the building, you know. And I like I'm gonna think about it like that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Okay, Mika. Since you um you see Houston from a different perspective, um, we like to ask all of our guests when they come in here um, one specific question, and here it is: What does Houston mean to you? <laughs> um, from the perspective of my job, what I do every day, uh, Houston is a place full of stories. Um, it, it, it's a place where so many people have um, experienced a lot of national events in a very different way. And uh, from, I mean, in, in history classes, we always learn that, for example, um, the Great Depression, you know, you learn about that in, in school, but then you learn that Houston experienced it in a completely different way. Uh, we weren't as affected. You learn about major, other major events in history, and, and Houston um, always has a unique experience. So I think of Houston means to me, like, just completely local, very different stories from such a diverse group of people. Um, personally, Houston... Um, is a place where I can be all of my different selves, if that makes sense, um, because it offers so much. Like when I'm feeling nostalgic, I can go to Eastwood Park, I can go to Park Place Library, I can go to Sunburger, Taqueria del Sol, Dots on 45. Like <laughs> when I'm feeling fancy, I can go to a Soinky Hotel downtown and have a drink at a lounge. Uh, I can, you know, when I'm feeling adventurous, I can close my eyes, point to a map, pick any culture, country, city in the world, and then find something in Houston to do, whether it's food, which is most likely my style, <laughs> or uh, a festival. We have so many festivals year-round. You know, there's always something. So I feel like, you know, all of us have different sides to us, and we kind of we wake up and we're like, I'm going to be adventurous today, or I'm going to chill at home, or I'm going to be this kind of person and Houston allows for that. Um, and uh, I, I think, to tie it back to my, my job, I think that's reflected in our history um, because we, we're, um, we're a metropolitan city. Met, met, metropolitan. Metro, it's only the name of the building. <laughs> metropolitan city, but we sometimes have a small town feel. I mean... I, I don't know. It just offers something for everybody, and it always has. I love it. I, love I always say answer. Houston's the best city ever. I'm yes. telling you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Mika, so I know we talked about some stuff that you've done in the past. Is there anything that you're working on now that you want to tell us about? Uh, yes. Every year we celebrate His, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month at the library, and uh, this year um, I'm really excited about two events in particular. Um Oh, Hispanic Heritage Month is September 15th to October 15th, by the way. Uh, we are going to do a pop-up exhibit in our building at the Julia Ideson building. Um, and it's gonna, I'm gonna feature original archival materials from our Hispanic women. Um, things from our 1920s and 1930s clubs, um, like Club Mexico Bello. 
um, and different photos and, and archival documents and some oral histories from uh, from the Hispanic women in, our, in the archive. And the other event is a Hispanic history Loteria Night. So, uh, everyone's familiar with the Loteria game. Yes, uh, I just played that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead of your typical um, cards, we're making custom cards that feature images from the Hispanic collections. Um, for example, I found a really great image of a little boy who was like a, uh, he did the singing telegrams in the 1920s. And his oh name is, um, oh yeah, I think his name was Joel Mercado. And we have an, a picture of him, like a professional portrait, and he's sitting in the chair, and he's got these giant boots on. And so when I saw the card, there's uh, La Bota, and I thought, oh, that's that's it, that's him. So we're gonna, I'm trying to, I'm working right now to pair some images uh, with the cards and create something really unique and hopefully educational. I think it'll be fun. Very cool. That's cool. So, um, uh. If you want to learn more information about our event, you can visit the Houston Public Library website. We are a part of the Houston Public Library system, so you can go to houstonlibrary.org. Um, if you want to just look at some really cool archival material, we place things online at um, digital.houstonlibrary.org. Or if you want to come down and see me in the archive, you can visit uh, the research room, which is called the Texas Room at 500 McKinney, Houston, Texas, 77002. We are that old but beautiful building <laughs> downtown across from the Central Library, across from City Hall. Um, yeah, so come on down and visit us. We're open Tuesday through Saturday. Very cool. I have seen the building and it is beautiful. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the library itself and research, um, this week for Loose Listens, I thought about music that was more on the chill side. Uh, I titled it Music for the Stacks. Uh, so the songs that I'm going to share with you guys this week um, are a little bit of a different variety. It comes with pop, rock, uh, some Spanish, and they're actually Portuguese. Some Portuguese, I believe, or what is it? Um, she's from Argentina. So Spanish? Spanish. <laughs> I'm going to say Spanish. Uh, well, whenever you guys listen to the... To the um, guest choice that that we have for this week's loose listens and you guys can decide for yourselves <laughs> what language they're speaking uh but the first song that i have is by coheed and cambria one of my favorite bands of all time pearl of the stars uh maybe i, I thought about it like if you're kind of like wanting to chill but you're on a break and you're in the library and you're like let me just pause for a second and just like close my eyes for a minute it's a pretty chill song uh second choice is lana del rey's blue jeans uh, Lana, man, Lana, I used to not like her. I used to not be a fan She's of Lana. She's got a voice. I, yeah, I used to not be a fan of Lana Del Rey. You can ask anybody, but um, I love that song. And my third choice, uh, it's kind of a throwback of throwbacks, if you will. I chose two songs. I'm just going to put them both out there because it was like I couldn't decide which one to keep and which one to remove. So Nights in White Satin by Moody Blues and then Karma Police by Radiohead. So that's a pretty great jam. And then Crystallized by The X. That band itself, or that, I guess, uh, duo, if you will, that um, all of their songs to me are pretty chill. So if you just want to relax and zone out for a bit, they're a pretty great band. And then, Mika, will you actually tell us what your choice song is? <laughs> um, 
lately I've been jamming a lot of female artists and yeah. I came across someone named Nati Peduso and she's from Argentina. She's got a lot of swag. I love her voice and I hope you like it. <laughs> I already do. Uh, whenever I was asking our guest about, you know, what song do you want to add to the list i just heard like maybe like a snippet of the song and i'm already ready to jam out the rest of her album today <laughs> and the name of that song by nari peluso is la sandunguera very cool well thanks for adding that to the list today um so i think now we're going to talk about some upcoming events um i'll kick it off guys today wednesday june 27th um you'll see kicking it country at kima boardwalk it's going to be every wednesday um so for those of you that like country at Kima, it is for free. I know parking does cost, I think it's $9 there. Uh, but if you get there early enough, there's things for you to do. And I'm really excited about July 25th. Does anybody here listen to country? Yes. Yes, yes a little bit. Um, have you guys heard of Kane Brown? Young guy? No? He's got a, um, so he's got two really big songs. One of them is called What If? And then the new one is uh, Heaven that's on the radio right now. So I'm really excited. I really want to go see him on July 25th. Cool. Um, Thursday, tomorrow, June 28th, um, it's something that they're doing at this place in downtown. It's called The Dive. Um, it's a cool little bar. They got a full bar in there. They got a little back outdoor patio area. Um, and then they have the coolest thing of all. They have arcade games. So like 80s arcades um, games. So like none of this new BS. But anyway, um, <laughs> a lot of fun over there. They're doing uh, Trill Made Thursdays um, with this whole collection of uh, DJs, they're really badass DJs, um, cool music, you want to go over there, get your dance on, and uh, play some video games, I'd hop on over to the dive on Thursday nights. So this Friday on June 29th, there's going to be brews and piñatas at Eureka Heights Brew Company. At, what? Yeah, check this out. So they're going to do um, two designs for a Houston Astro Circle logo. Um, you get to pick your design and you make your piñata. Um, they're going to be about 12 inches. Um, and so it is made out of cardboard. You can keep it or whatever. And they do, uh, <laughs> you'll have a beer and everything. No candies and goodies are included. You'll have to bring your own. <laughs> but um, <What? laughs> it's $25 um, for those of you that do want to do it. And it's uh, from 6 to 9 on Friday. It's at Eureka Heights Brew Company. Um, so go check that out. Cool. I have something else going on on that night. I guess if you can't make it to uh, Eureka Heights, they're uh, <laughs> at Cynthia Woods, Mitchell Pavilion out there in the Woodlands. Weezer and the Pixies, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be out there at 7.30 p.m. on Friday night, June 29th. Are they the ones that just redid um, Africa's Toto? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Do you, do you guys know Africa's Toto, yeah. the song? Yeah. So I think Weezer has a cover of that song, and they say it's really good. Um, so go check that out, uh, and they hopefully they play it at the concert. I got to say something about Weezer. Okay. Pinkerton is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh -huh. But after Pinkerton, I kind of was not as big of a fan. Yeah. Uh, but for anybody listening, if you're curious about Weezer, start with Pinkerton. <laughs> start with Pinkerton. <laughs> start there. You'll like it. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring up something a, a little fun, I guess. Uh, at the Children's Museum, um, for everybody who's a you know parent or an aunt or uncle, you know, like, uh, like a few of us too, I... I would recommend going to the Children's Museum from 10 to 1 on Saturday, June 30th. They're having therapy unicorns, guys. Therapy unicorns. Yeah, so they're these tiny, um, they're the small horses, you know. Um, they're decorating them. You know, they're putting cute, like, flowers and stuff on there. I saw these pictures, and, I, you know, I don't know. They're just really, really cute. So you should go and, like, 
pet and hang out with some therapy unicorns, take some kids over there, because I don't think you can go into the Children's Museum uh, by yourself as an adult. You? you can't, actually. No, you can't. You can't, actually. Yeah. You can't. You can't. No. Legally, you cannot. I had no idea that, that was... Yeah. yeah. Well, not legally, but it's a policy. You can't. Yeah. What they let you do, um, what um, they do let you do is um, you can, you have to, like, call ahead and then make an appointment like to I guess basically take a tour or something you, you know like, are like supervised yeah, yeah. of course yeah <laughs> they don't want a bunch of weirdos out there you know taking pictures of people's kids and stuff Probably. like that so yeah so for these therapy unicorns do you like are you required to have therapy or can I just be like no I, it, I think they're <laughs> yeah no, they're just hey we all need therapy don't we we are all <laughs> yes. you know some unicorns okay in our life <laughs> oh speaking of unicorns have you anybody seen the uh, the lucky charms Lucky Charms has the unicorn the box, marshmallows. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool. Anyway, I want to get some. For all my unicorn lovers out there. Okay, guys, so on July 1st, we have a lot going on. Uh, a lot to talk about anyway. But on July 1st, they're going to have the first ever first of the month um, bike ride at 8th Wonder Brewery. Um, they are partnering with Eureka Heights Brew again. And um, they're going to start off there. They go to 8 Row Flint, 8 Wonder Brewery, Houston Flying Saucer. It's a bike ride, and it's a kind of social event. You get to drink and... So and this isn't this isn't critical mass, though, right? No, 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 no. Okay, this that's something different. else. Yeah, okay. this is actually the very first one that they're, that they're hosting. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so go check it out. Um, it is Sunday, July 1st from 12 to 4. Keep in mind, it is going to be really hot because it's right in the you know middle of the day. Don't worry, we're going to have that beer. <laughs> yeah, that beer to keep you cool. So go check that out if that's something that you're interested in. And the last thing I have on here on my list is um, there's something called the Outlaw Music Festival going down at the Cynthia Woods on Sunday, July 1st. It's a whole music festival, a bunch of different bands. I read all the names on the thing. I don't know who half of these bands are, but the one headliner, the one I do know, Willie Nelson, y'all. Hey. So Willie's going to be over there at Cynthia Woods at 2 p.m. I doubt he's going to be the, he's not going to be the first one. He's going to be later on. But you can, get, you can get lawn tickets for 35 bucks, hang out for the day, you know, with a bunch of cool people at the Outlaw Festival. Very cool. All right, guys, um, that's it. That's all we have for you. Mika, thank you so much again for joining us today. Yeah, thank, thank you. you thank you for having me. Uh, we definitely learned a lot about Houston. Um, so that's it, guys. Until next time. Keep it fresh. Remember, loose listens. And life's always better with a little bit of grace. Ow! <laughs> hey, guys, want to hear more? Check us out online at www.appealingcontent.com or follow us on Instagram at Houstonish Podcast. Got a show idea? Email us, houstonishpodcast at gmail.com. This is Houston-ish. This is Houston-ish. This is Houston-ish. Houston-ish.